done. So-so. So that's good. You weren't too glad I was gone, I guess. It's good. What's that? <laughs> yeah, Pam did really great with Open. Yeah. Good. Well, how many of you have been watching the, the Olympics? A few, not too many, not too many. The, the biggest sporting event in the world happens every four years. Um, and, of course, last year, kind of strange to have the 2020 Olympics in 2021, but uh, that's not the strangest thing that happened in the last year. So, so uh, no, strange, but not too strange. Um, but uh, fantastic to watch the greatest of the greatest of the athletes in the world coming together and and competing. I think it's just a fantastic, the sportsmanship at the Olympics is phenomenal, right? To see people just, uh, even from other countries, supporting one another. And I just, I really love the Olympics every, every time they come on. And uh, didn't, you know, it was harder to watch it this year because it was 12 hours off. So everything that they did happened at night. But, uh, but I just, I want to just touch down on some of the highlights for, the, for Team Canada in the Olympics. And we're going somewhere with this, so hang, hang with me. If you're not an Olympic fan, you're not a sports fan, just hang with me, all right? Um, so, so Damian Warner, Olympic decathlon winner, not only won the gold medal, uh, which is a great honor because the, the winner of the decathlon, because you're competing in 10 different sports, they're considered the greatest athlete in the world. So a Canadian, Damian Warner, the greatest athlete in the world. But not only did he get the gold, but he set some records. It was the first, Canada's first ever win of the, of the men's decathlon, ever. That's fantastic. Um, and also, he got the highest score of any decathlon com computer in history in the, in the Olympics. So he got a score of 9,018, the highest score of any athlete ever in the Olympics. Phenomenal. Isn't that great? Um, Laurence Vincent Lapointe. Um, lady on your left. Um, she won the 200-meter canoe sprint, uh, or not won, but got the, the silver medal. First ever silver medal uh, in this new event. It's a new women's event, first time they did it in, uh, in the Olympics, and she got the first silver medal. Um, and then uh, a couple days later, won the bronze, teamed up with Katie Vincent on the right in the 500-meter canoe race, uh, and in doing so, became the 23rd Canadian medal in this Olympics, our highest number of medals in any Olympics in history. Uh, besides, there were some Olympics that were boycotted in the past, and they didn't count those, but highest number in uh, Olympic history for Canada. Andre de Grasse, 
spelt differently than the Degrasses we have here in, uh, in Bathurst, but Andre Degrasse, after winning, uh, already winning bronze medal for the 100 meter, he won the gold medal in 200 meter sprint. Yeah. First Canadian gold medal in this sport, in the 200 meter, in 93 years. He ran his personal best in, in his whole life, the fastest he ever ran this event, uh, and, and uh, a Canadian record time. Nobody in Canada ever ran this fast. 19.62 seconds. Um, and, uh, and all three, the gold, silver, and bronze medal winners in this event this year, uh, all ran faster than Usain Bolt's time in his gold medal race four years ago in Rio. Yeah, amazing. And then uh, probably my favorite, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so far, is uh, the women's soccer team. Canada women's soccer team. They won the gold medal. Um, Christine Sinclair has led this team to, this is her third Olympic Games. Um, you know, she's 38 years old. That's, that's, I mean, that's young, but that's pretty old for, for an Olympic soccer athlete. Um, her third time leading this team to the Olympics. Um, and uh, the team worked hard. They came out of uh, both last Olympic Games in London in 2012 and in Rio in 2016 with the bronze medal. Um, and, but this time they beat the U.S. Yeah. Um, to get into the gold medal game. And, uh, and then they fought hard against the Swedish team and after two overtime periods went into a shootout I was, I was in this pastor's retreat in sessions while this is going on. And me and the guy who was the organizer of the event both had our phones down here watching the kickoff because we couldn't miss it. Um, we were paying attention, but we were also watching. the. What an intense shootout that was. But Canada came out on top, won the gold, and that was so exciting. So exciting. Um, so it's, it's great to see these athletes achieve the goals that their, their whole adult lives and much of their young, younger lives were, were all about, you know, giving everything to, to achieve those goals. But for every winner, there were dozens of people who didn't achieve those goals, right? And, uh, and so I want to talk today about defining the win. Defining the win. I'm going to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. To start, we're going to move around a bit in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 10. First Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? 
run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games. Now, when Paul says this, he's talking about the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games, the ancient Olympic Games, ran from 700 B.C. approximately to 300 A.D. For a thousand years, there were Greek Olympic Games, competitions that happened in Olympia, Greece, for a thousand years. And when the Olympic Games in the eight in the late 1800s rebooted, started again, they were, they were picking up the idea of this competition from way back in ancient Greece. So when Paul is talking about, he's talking about the Olympic Games. So he says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last a little note there, uh, if you didn't, didn't know this, probably many of you have heard this before, but uh, they didn't hand out gold medals in those ancient Greek Olympic games. They handed out crowns of laurel leaves, right? So, I mean, compared to eternity, even gold does not last, right? Um, we were bought with the precious blood of the lamb without spot or blemish. You know, uh, we were bought with something far more. It says, I can't, I'm, I'm messing up the quote, but Second um, Peter chapter 1, around verse 21. Um, you know, with, not with worthless things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the lamb, right? So, so gold, compared to eternity, will fade away. But a crown of leaves? Won't last long, right? Um, but they, for the, for the honor of wearing that leafy crown, they would do everything and go into strict training. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Not just out for a jog. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying, we want to run this race that we are all in. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in a race. And we want to run this race in a way that we actually will win. But what is a win? What is a win? If we have enough, a great enough purpose in our hearts. That's why Paul said, I, I restrain myself. I, I focus. I even beat my own body, you know, or whatever. He's not being literal, but he's, he's saying, I, I, I'm willing to... to do the sacrifice of discipline. Folks, you either pay the price of discipline or you pay the price of regret. And the price of discipline is much easier to pay. And so Paul's saying, I pay the price of discipline. Why is he willing to pay it? Because he knows what the prize is. Because he has a purpose in his heart. 
if we have a great enough purpose in our hearts, we will sacrifice anything to get there. But if any purpose will do, then we have no purpose. And if we have no purpose, we have no reason to pay a price. No reason to train. No reason to be willing to pay a cost. And we will live instead for whatever pleases us. The default of human nature is that we... Um, is that if we don't have a greater purpose, we will live for our own comfort and pleasure. But if we have a real purpose and a passion for that purpose, then our purpose is our pleasure. Our purpose is our pleasure. And we will give whatever it takes to reach it. A, a leadership writer named Stephen Covey says it's easy to say no when you have an even greater yes burning inside of you. Our problem is that not enough people who claim to be followers of Jesus have a big burning yes on the inside of them. They don't know what the goal is. They don't know what a win is. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They're just going from Sunday to Sunday and kind of putting in the time. But folks, we need to get a purpose down in our soul to live this thing. What is a win? Um, did, the, did the women's soccer team understand what the win was? Not a rhetorical question. Did they understand what the win was? The women's soccer team. Right? They knew that they had to get more balls in the net than the Swedes, and they had to keep more balls out than the Swedes. They knew exactly what the goal was, and they, the entire team, had trained all of their lives to know how to do that and do it well so that they won. They were absolutely clear what the win was, and they, they, they sacrificed for it, they fought for it, they went for it. Um, is it enough as followers of Jesus to just get through the doors of heaven? Is that the win? Are we just floating through this thing till Jesus comes? Jesus, get us out of here. No. No, that's not the win. And if that's the win for us, then, then we will set the bar so low we might even slip off the radar, spiritual radar. We might even lose out with God if we set the bar that low. But Paul knew what his win was. In, uh, in chapter 10, verse 1, um, Paul says, Paul says, I don't want you, for I don't want you, and this, this is carried on right from what we just read. He doesn't want to be disqualified from winning the prize, he said. For I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, this is a favorite saying of Paul. He's more, a number of times through his letters, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And, and he doesn't mean rude, he means I don't want you to not know what you need to know to get where you need to get, 
right? I don't want you to be ignorant. And so he says, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all, everybody say all, they were all under the cloud. They all, say all, they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Wow. They all saw the miracles of God. They all, right? They all um, saw the, the, the literal, physical presence of God lead them around in the shape of a cloud. They all walked through water where you shouldn't have been able to walk through water. They all were fed in the desert by supernatural sustenance called manna. They all saw water come out of a rock to sustain them and provide for them. They all saw the things that God did. And yet... Many of them rebelled against God and lost out. What a, what, a, what a graphic picture. Bodies laying all over the desert, Paul says, right? They lost out with God because in spite of all the things that they saw, they lost sight of what the wind was. Right? They were just, they were just along for the ride. Folks, if we're Christians, followers of Jesus, quote unquote, that are just along for the ride, let me tell you, we're in trouble. Because we need to have a purpose. We need to be focused on what God has called us to be and to do. These people that Paul is talking about fell prey to the lesser things that pull us away from our purpose. So Paul tells us what his win is earlier, back in chapter 9. Let's go back a little ways now. Back to chapter 9, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Listen to these powerful words from Paul. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. There's a mission statement right there. We're, sometimes, as North American Christians, we're so concerned about our rights and what, we, what we're allowed to do and what we get to do and what, what, you know, all that stuff that when we hear Paul talk about, I made myself a, made myself a slave to everyone, we're like, that doesn't sound good. I wouldn't want to do that. But Paul's whole life was about his purpose. And though he had freedom in Christ, he was willing to 
restrain his freedom in order to focus his life on his purpose. Could he have gone? Could he have come to Jesus, got saved, and gone on a vacation for the rest of his life to, you know, Dubai and, and hung out there for the rest of his life? I don't know. Um, yeah, he could have. W- would he have had the right to do that? Absolutely. But the rest of Paul's life, he spent saying, I want to I reach every person I can with the hope of Jesus because this is the greatest thing the world will ever know. The hope of Christ. So he says, To the Jew I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those that are under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Wow. This man who who experienced the greatest Freedom, I mean, Jesus set him free from religion, set him free from sin, set him free from so much. And Paul said, I want the rest of my life to be about reaching every person I can so that they can know the freedom that I've come to know. Right? We want to take, we want to take evangel. We want to take every possible opportunity by every possible means in every possible place to reach every possible person with the good news of Jesus. Paul was willing to give his whole life, all of his energy, all of his time, all of his resources to reaching this goal, whatever it took. Sometimes we're just, we just think God should be glad we got out of bed on Sunday morning. Right? This vision, this passion had so gripped Paul's life that no sacrifice even felt like a sacrifice. But when we've not defined our win, then getting, what, then getting what we want is our win, right? And every sacrifice is too much. Does that sound, am I being unfair? I don't think I am. Can I say it again? I sure can. Um, when we've not defined our win, so the, the vision and passion had so gripped Paul's life that no sacrifice even felt like a sacrifice. But when we've not defined our win, then getting what we want is our win, and every sacrifice is too much. 
Pastor Graham did a great job the last two weeks challenging us to be engaged with the mission and serving. Um, Let me add to what he said by talking a bit about the why. If I were to ask you to shovel a big pile of sand from one place to another, and I didn't tell you why, just said, can you, there's a pile of sand there, I want it over there. You'd be about 10 minutes into this project, and you'd be like, why am I doing this? What, you know, what's this? I, I, I'm done, right? What's the, what's the purpose of this? But take that same scenario and say you lived on the banks of the St. John River the end of April, and the banks, the, wa- the river is overflowing the banks, and we get this group of people together, and I say, that sand needs to go in these bags to go up against that water so that that water doesn't destroy these homes. I think we'd be a whole lot more motivated to shovel sand than if we just said, can you move that sand from that pile to that pile, right? The why makes all the difference, right? If we just say, folks, we need you, we got some... We got some ministries that need to get done and we need you to plug some holes and you know we want you to get involved in some stuff. Would you would you do it? You're like, meh. Maybe if I got some extra time. Right? But if we keep in front of us the why, why are we doing what we're doing? Why does Evangel Bathurst exist? We are not just here to have nice worship services on Sunday so we all feel better. But there's a world around us. You've, um, I want to see. Sorry, I should have paid attention to my notes here. Um, some of. Some of your friends, your parents, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your workmates, your former workmates, those of you who are retired, some of them have never heard the message of God's love. That Jesus came because God loved them so much, he couldn't stand to spend eternity without them. Some of them, some of your friends and family, have heard the message years ago, but life's distractions or some some hurt or some offense or something that happened derailed their spiritual growth and they've slipped away. Folks, I want the prodigals to come home. I want those who have never realized how amazing God's love is and how amazing the the message of Jesus is, want them to to come to know Jesus as their Savior. I want to see Evangel Bathurst as a hospital for the spiritually broken and bleeding where they can find the hope and healing that they so desperately need. You've heard me talk a lot over the last four years. I've been here just over four years. 
You've heard me talk a lot in the last four years about mission. We are not here just to have nice services. But we are here for a mission. And I've been, I've been so blessed during COVID to watch you, to watch us in action. Because you know what? We did not lose traction during COVID on our mission. Like we so, so well could have. It could have been so easy to say, oh, I guess we can't do stuff. I guess we just shut her down and just wait for this to be over. But we didn't do that. You didn't do that. And, and I'm, it's been so amazing to watch, you know, we were able to, to, to get some great wins in the last year and a half. The student box program, where we turned this room into a, a, a food box assembly place. And so many of you gave of your time and we, we you know, took pallets of food and we put it in boxes and it went out to families in need. The, uh, the community garden that we've run for two years now that, that sends fresh vegetables to the volunteer center. We started that during COVID. Isn't that awesome? We, uh, backyard kids, we could have said, oh, I guess we can't do backyard kids. But last year we did backyard kids and it was better than the year before. Um, we did the skate park once we were able to open the skate park. Uh, we did last fall and spring, we did classroom boxes for, the, for uh, Terry Fox Elementary School to, to just bless the students and, and, and the teachers. Um, we did, we did drive-through Christmas dinner. We did uh, the, the soup for the soul, I think it was called. Is that what we called it? Soup for the soul. We're at, at uh, uh, in February at Valentine's. We did drive-through soup. We did uh, Love Bathurst projects. All the way through COVID, we, we served our community and loved our community. Folks, it's been amazing to watch. Way to go. Way to go. You get a gold medal. Get a gold medal. And this summer, we've been serving again. Um, And uh, Matthias, why don't you come on up for a second? Where's the... Oh, yeah. Um, So Matthias and Haley and Leah, thank you. Sorry, just blanked out. Uh, Matthias and Haley and Leah, along with Pastor Graham and others uh, of you who have been part of that team, uh, have been serving at Backyard Kids. And uh, Matthias, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how, what it's been like to see, you know, the, the kids, uh, you know, the, the impact that it's been having on the kids. So for Backyard Kids, really, we, we go over there at the Edgewood Community Center, we play with the kids, we do crafts, games, songs and stuff, but most importantly, we do lessons and we teach about God. We talk to the kids about God and they're really interested. And this year, even more, like last year they were starting to get more interested, but this year you can really tell. Like some of the kids, they're really interested and they're talking about it. You can just go along, you can hear the kids mention a few things about God and some of them sing the songs and do the dances along, like while we're just playing games yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And you can see like we had a huge difference, and it was really God's work. You can see, like, the difference they had just by being there a few days a week, a few hours, talking to the kids, being with them. 
Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and some of the parents have been around and, and watching and helping out too, right? Yeah, but parents come along, they watch, and even this year there's been teenagers, older people, they just come in, like not too close, but they're getting closer and closer, just listening, and some come in, they play games, do the crafts, like even the older people, they come in just to listen and see what it's like, not just the little kids anymore. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, Matthias. Way to go. Yeah. So, so I mean, we do this so that something of the kingdom can get on the inside of those kids. The kingdom of Jesus can get on the inside of the kids and, and the parents and the teenagers as they're listening in. Our, our goal is to see them come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so we go into uh, Edgewood and, and we serve and we love. And, uh, and Skate Park has been, you know, Jim, you've had more than one person talk about, uh, just bring up, why are you guys doing this, right? Yeah. Do you want to share anything about that? Or? Yeah. Love to hear it. Uh, certainly, it's been a, a great two years running the skate park and coordinating things going on. Uh, just a conversation with a little girl yes, or two days ago. She said, are you the God man? <laughs> and I, I said, well, I said, I, I love God. I said, I never really been accused of being or, or said that, that I was the God man. But I said, <laughs> uh, certainly, I said, we, our church loves you people, and we're here to provide you guys with a place where you can skateboard and, and have fun. And these are the conversations that we've been having. I actually awesome. had a, a worker from the city who was repairing uh, the railing, and he says, how come your Bible and mine aren't the same? And I said, well, we have the same Bible. They might be slightly different versions, but he says, why are you guys out helping us? Because that's what our God asks us to do. Yeah, and yeah. my God is your God. Yeah. And so we, we, I love doing this. And yeah. each day it's a new adventure. And each day it's, uh, I'm certainly learning what skateboarding is all about. I will never go on the path <laughs> myself. But it is an adventure to talk to the kids and yeah. to talk to the young adults and, and the parents that just look at you and say, why are you here? Yeah. Because we love you. Yeah. That's what yeah. God asks. That's awesome. Thank you. So folks, because, because there, we've, some of us, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to understand what's, what's a win, what's a win. We're willing to, to go out and, and you know, um, hang out with teenagers. We're go, willing to go and, and hang out with, with kids and, and, and do stuff just to love and to serve because we know that the win is doing whatever it takes so that people come to know Jesus. So for Paul, um, a win was, first of all, doing whatever it takes. But it was also, secondly, doing it together. Doing it together. Olympians don't get to their goals by themselves, even if their sport is a solo sport. They have a whole team of people around them to help them get where they need to get. Families and friends cheering them on and believing in them. Coaches 
helping them see where, you know, maybe they, they need to tweak this or change that so that they can be better. Um, medical and dietary support, sponsors who believe in them and provide funding. Uh, and the same is true of us. Following Jesus is never a solo sport. We need each other. We need each other. Not only are we better together, but real maturity in this journey can only come in the testing ground of our relationships as we act like a family together, as we be the family of God together. So, so Paul says um, in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 10, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. That sounds like it doesn't fit. What is idolatry? Um, idolatry is any lesser pursuit that competes with God's place or the place of His purpose in your life. Giving your life to anything that is less than God or His purpose for you. That's idolatry. And so in the context of this, Paul says, therefore flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. I think you mostly look like sensible people. It's good. I speak to sensible people, he says. Um, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving, we're going to get to this in just a few moments, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in the one loaf. Communion is not just some, some ritual we celebrate once a month. This is at the heart of all of it, folks. Because first of all, it speaks to us of what Jesus did when His body was pierced for our transgressions, for our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity, our, our guilt and propensity for sin. And, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His stripes, we are healed. But it also speaks, communion speaks of the union that we have in Christ. Communion literally means together union. We have union together because, folks, we're, we all are in the same place. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. And, um, and we all have a place in this body. And 
And we don't only want to do the things that God has called us to do, but we want to do them together. We need you. Each one of us are needed in the body of Christ. Um, and a win, a win is finding the purpose for your life, the reason, the, the reason God put you, not the person sitting beside you, not me, the reason God put you on planet Earth. I guarantee you there's a reason He put you here. And there's a purpose that He has for you. And a win is finding that purpose and living it so that people can come to know Jesus as Savior. So we want to help you. We want to help you find where you fit in the body of Christ. I would love to sit down with any one of you and hear what makes you tick. Hear what you get excited about. Hear what you're passionate about. And help you find how you can use that to serve the, per- the kingdom purpose of God in your life. We've seen people use archery and painting and vehicle maintenance and cooking and teaching and organizing and running, like jogging and music and all kinds of things that they're passionate about and use them to see people come to know Jesus as Savior. And a win for us as a church, is doing all we can together to go into the community and to invite the community into our space so that by all possible means we can let them know about the God who loves them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask... the worship team to come on up. We're going to get ready to, to celebrate communion together. And as we do so this morning, we're not just... We're focused on what Jesus has done for us. Absolutely. We want, also want to focus on the fact that, folks, we're one, we're one loaf. We're one loaf. We're one body. And God has called us to a purpose that we get to serve together. Thank you, Lord. So, um... We've been doing communion a little differently over the last, throughout COVID with the, you know, the distancing and all that stuff. Um, we're going we're gonna to do our best to serve you. They're going to do their best to figure that out this morning. But uh, um, just be patient with us as we get the elements into your hands. If you're joining us, if this is your first time having a communion service with us, We want you to know that it doesn't matter what your church background is. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are welcome to take communion. And and we have uh, two cups. The bottom cup is a cup with a a little wafer in it. The top cup is a cup of juice. You need to take both, separate them, and then uh, just hold on to them until we all have them in our hands and we'll take it together uh, at the end.